listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. This is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. We have a special guest today. Back in 2002, I was at a conference and I saw a speaker talk about client development and getting more business and growing your business. And I bought his book and it made a huge difference for me way back when. And today, he's our guest on our show. Mark LeBlanc runs a speaking business in Minneapolis. He conducts presentations and creates experiences for professionals who want to create an extreme sliver of focus and put more revenue in their pockets as business owners and professional services providers. As a business coach, he's clocked over 20,000 one-to-one coaching hours with professionals who want to grow their business or practice. In fact, he wrote the book, Growing Your Business. As a result of his work, people often share that they're more focused each day, attract more prospects, stimulate more referrals, and create a path for generating more business. On a personal note, next summer he'll go on a short 500-mile walk across Spain for the fourth time. I hope you get some great ideas from Mark today. I'm excited to have on the Rainmaking Podcast a special guest, somebody that you've probably already heard of. His name is Mark LeBlanc. Mark, thanks for joining us on the show today. Hey, thank you so much, Scott, for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. You've got some great content and some great ideas that I think are going to help our listeners to get more business. And, and I like the way that you approach business philosophically. It's, it's just a real soft, easy touch. It's just fantastic. And it's a good fit for our listeners. But tell us first about you, Mark. Tell us about where did you start your journey in your career and how did you end up to where you are today? Well, thank you for asking. I have been on my own virtually my entire adult life. I had a job once uh, for about six months and I found out at a very early age that I was unemployable. (laughs) In fact, I was inspired by the two words, uh, you're fired. (laughs) And and at the age of, uh, at the ripe young age of 21, I made a vow that I would do whatever it would take to make it on my own. Wow. Well, tell me about that. What type of work were you doing? Well, at the time, I was a straight commission printing salesman. And I was just fascinated by what happens when paper and ink comes together. It was less about printing. Mm -hmm. But back in uh, the mid-80s, early to mid to late 80s, I don't even know if the word branding had even been invented. But I really was fascinated and struck by how a company, and mostly in the small business world, could make their mark with uh, printing and printed pieces. In fact, I bought one of the very first Macintosh computers with a 300 DPI laser writer for (laughs) $9,500. And and it turned out uh, to be one of the best investments of my career. But over the next 38 years, I'm, I'm 59, and I've had some good years. I've had some bad years. I've had some great years, and I've had a few that I would just as soon leave in my rearview mirror, but I, I wouldn't trade it for anything, Scott. That's great. And then tell us about some of the concepts that you have. You have a pretty innovative yet simple and replicable concept of getting a referral strategy going. Tell me about that. Well, how it began, I have a little two-step creative process. Whenever I have a problem, a challenge, an obstacle, something I want, 
I go through a little two-step questioning process. And for this particular strategy, it really, the question number one was, how can I get more people talking about me? Mm-hmm. I mean, how can I create that word of mouth? Because most professionals, they dream about getting more referrals, but they're not deliberate about it. Right. And so my first question was, how can I get more referrals? The second question is, what can I specifically do in order to make that happen? Right. And you can apply that little two-step questioning process to really anything that you want. But at this particular time, back in the, this was now the early 90s, when I started my uh, speaking business, I owned a creative graphics printing and mailing company for 10 years. That was my first foray uh, into business. It was always my goal to grow up to be a professional speaker. Hmm. And I worked on it while I was building uh, my business over a 10-year period. And I, I built my business and spent a year positioning it for sale. I sold it in 92 to, to launch my speaking and business coaching uh, business and to write books. And so I'm 28 years now as a full-time uh, professional speaker. But I wanted to get more people talking about me. And the strategy was born from those two questions. And essentially, the response came or the, you know, sort of the strategic brainstorming process, quite frankly, with myself, really boiled down to put together a list of the people who are in a position to go out of their way and would be open to making a positive connection on your behalf. But that's how it started. That's a great concept. Let me kind of ask you this, and I like everything that you're saying, and I think it's, and I'm really curious to hear more about this, but tell me from what you've seen, those people that are in a rainmaking role, they dream of getting more referrals. That's what they want, but they never seem to get them, or they don't have any sort of plan. They just think it's just going to happen randomly. And tell me why that is. Well, I think, uh, gosh, and I, I'm, I'm not really sure how or why. I have some guesses. Of, quite frankly, I think people are lazy. Or they believe that if they just do good work, that somehow their clients are going to spread the word. And there truly is a difference between having you know, serving a client well and having a satisfied client versus turning that satisfied client into an enthusiastic champion or what I call advocate for your work. Well, let's kind of go down this path a little bit. What would be the characteristics? Let's say I'm in the business of professional services. How would I know who is going to be that advocate? What's the characteristic of that? Well, I believe that there... There actually is a, a gene in your DNA that is a that is a connecting gene. But let's go back to this idea of if I just do a good job, people will refer me. We I don't know about you, Scott, but I have a lot of satisfied clients who don't refer me. Right. And the challenge becomes then, well, why if people are happy with you? that they might not be referring. And of course, the standard response is, well, 
ask for more mm-hmm. referrals. Mm-hmm. You know, as professionals, you know, sometimes that's it makes us a little bit skittish to say, hey, you know, I've done a great job for you. You know, how come you're not, you know, spreading the gospel of right. Mark LeBlanc? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, th- I think to me, the secret to stimulating referrals is not the quality of your programs, products, presentations, and services. Our customers and our clients assume that today, that if they work with you, your work better be of good quality. Right. But I think the secret to stimulating referrals is that your client enjoys the process of working with you. How was that client enrolled? What are you specifically doing in order to set that client up to succeed? And I'll give you an example. You may have a the most amazing car, you know, pick your dream car, whatever that might be. You might love the car, but if you did not enjoy the experience of buying the car, you will never make a referral to that dealership or to the person who sold you the car. That's right. You know, so I, people will I like say, it. well, Mark, I, I really like your new car. Where did you get it? It's like, I, I don't remember where, <laughs> where I got my car. Because we don't want to put people we care about in that similar buying experience. Right. You know, what's interesting is that within my recruiting practice just last week, I was working on a difficult search and I called one partner who wasn't interested and he went out of his way to offer a referral to someone. And I always ask, are you okay if I mention your name? They said, sure. And as I was thinking about why he did that, apparently I must've said something where he trusted me or he saw, he really wanted to help me. But when people make a referral, it's like they're, you're borrowing that trust. He's getting the trust that he has with this other person and he's giving it to me. And in my business of dealing with lawyers all day, those are people that are risk averse. So it's like a triple win if you can get a lawyer to refer someone because it could look bad on them. And I noticed the one thing you said, the secret is the client enjoys the process of working with you. And there's an emotional context to that, isn't that? There really is. We work so hard to market and to get the business that we often fall down on what I call the agreement phase or the enrolling of a client into your work. Tell me about that. What does that mean, the agreement phase? Well, I promote or teach or coach or train, whatever you want to call it, on four phases to the marketing and selling process. Mm -hmm. You have the attraction phase, the meaningful conversation or the the sales conversation phase, the decision phase, and then the agreement phase. And the agreement phase is, you know, where you begin to talk about scope, fees, terms, one, two, three steps in order to get started. And it doesn't really matter what service you're buying. When there is a methodical process into enrolling that client after we've made the decision to work with somebody, when that experience is, you know, exceeds professionalism, Mm -hmm. um, it's comforting. We can make a buying decision, but then all of a sudden, if who we're buying from falls down on the agreement phase, the seeds of doubt and uncertainty begin to 
take shape. Wow. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I've had people not happy with my services, but give me referrals all day long. And at times I've asked people, it's like, you know, we didn't really quite even have the results you were looking for, but yet you are giving me referrals. And it's like, well, Mark, you're so great to work with. Wow. That's fantastic. And I like the one phrase that you mentioned, exceeds professionalism. Yeah. yeah. What, what would be examples of that? How does somebody exceed professionalism? Well, let's talk about this particular strategy. Professionalism would be acknowledging a referral, a referrer with a note in the mail. Okay, great. I mean, we've been taught and told to do that forever. That would be professional, obviously. Exceeding professionalism would be picking up the phone to thank that person for Mm -hmm. the referral. I think the phone is the, I think it's the new social media tool (laughs) for the future because uh, people are not taught uh, how to use the phone or how to leave a voicemail message. And I think the power of your thank you in, in written form, again, is professional, but hearing the depth of your conviction and gratitude in a voicemail message or voice to voice vastly exceeds the professionalism of sending a note in the mail. Right, right. So what do you think of people that offer gifts or what's your opinion on gifts or referral fees, things that can kind of get more referrals that way? What do you think about that, Mark? I never encourage gift giving as a part of the referral process. In fact, I've made it sort of a standard or policy of mine never to give a gift for a referral. It doesn't mean I'm against a gift, but let's let's take you, for instance, Scott. Now, mm-hmm. if you were to give me a referral and I picked up the phone uh, to thank you, but over the course of time, if I uh, learned in our conversations that you had a particular hobby, an interest, a passion, it might be for golf or wine or baseball or mm-hmm model trains or whatever it is you might be passionate about. I think you hit on all of them. I might make a note note of that, but at some point down the road, far away from the specific referral, if I come across something regarding one of your passions or interests, I might pick up a gift for you at that point. Right. But it would not be connected to the referral. It would be to the strength or the building of the strength of our relationship. That's great. I like that. It doesn't seem as, as cheesy as some people that say, well, if you refer something to us, we give you a percentage of whatever or a flat fee or something like that. And I always feel awkward. I feel awkward when people tell me that about their service. And, you know, it, it just doesn't feel congruent, you know? It doesn't feel right to me. Maybe you and I are a little bit old school uh, Mm -hmm. on that. That's a different kind of relationship that, you know, and we we call that the affiliate relationship or some kind of cooperative marketing agreement. And I'm not necessarily against that, but that's not the advocate strategy. Right. My true advocates, I believe, would be offended went out of their way to make a referral 
and I sent them a plant. Right. Or I sent them a box of chocolates. Now, if they love chocolate, six months later, I might find the best darn chocolate in the world mm-hmm. and, you know, and have it shipped internationally to them for a holiday or their birthday. But connecting the gift to the specific referral uh, is not part of my philosophy. Right. I remember once I was at the seminar for the National Speakers Association. I remember I joined NSA back in 2002. I started speaking a little bit as I was recruiting, and eventually it evolved into a full-on training company. And uh, eventually got out of that several years ago just so I could focus just on one thing instead of two things where you do two different things. It's like riding a surfboard, right? You know, you're riding two different surfboards. You don't get very far. But I think the concept that I learned from speakers along the way have helped me in my search practice. And I remember, at, I think it was a 2003 National Speakers Association meeting. You were there. And I remember you held up a copy of your book. And it was a book called Growing Your Business. And I remember getting that and reading that. And tell me about what led up to you writing that book. And then let's kind of go deeper into some of the strategies that you came up with that you talk about. Well, that little book came out 20 years ago in late late 99. And, you know, as I began to speak more around the country and to do more business coaching, you know, I heard what every perceived smart person hears, you know, Mark, you're a pretty sharp guy. You should write a book. And my confidence as a writer was not that high. Mm. Um, I was not, you know, as uh, I wasn't as practiced. It wasn't something that I was working on. Um, But I kept hearing it, Mark, you should write a book. You should write a book. You should write a book. And I wrote a 50,000-word manuscript in 1998, 1999. And Scott, when I got done with it, I looked at it and I thought, there's a lot of crap in here. (laughs) And so I cut 43,000 words and published a small mass market size type paperback book, 77 pages. It's a book you can read in an hour and get ideas you can use for a lifetime. That's absolutely right. A book distributor had coffee with me at the time and she said, you know, Mark, the only person who has to be excited about your book is you. Wow. And and I never forgot that. And so I cut 43,000 words and was left with about 7,000 words of you know, one story, you know, a number of ideas and tips. I spent a a whole chapter, which is, you know, actually a short chapter on uh, what I call the Target uh, 25 Advocate Strategy. Mm -hmm. Uh, The interesting thing, Scott, about that little book and what I'm most proud of is even today, 20 years later, I have reached over 800 quantity orders of that little book. Hmm. This year, I will have uh, probably 10 or 12 people who will reach out to me 20 years after the publishing of that book and say, I want to buy 50 copies. I want to buy 100 copies. And my joke is, it's like, wait till the anniversary edition comes out so I can get my junior high photo off the back cover. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's great. 
Well, I, I like your book. I also read your other book that you co-wrote with Henry DeVries, Build Your Consulting Practice, which I thought had some great tactical ideas, very simple, very clear, and it gets right to the point. And I know that people that are busy, that's what they want. They want content that gets right to the point. Let me ask you this. The advocate strategy, it's a simple concept. What are some general ideas that you think people can take and get value from with that concept right away? Well, I believe it's the lowest cost, highest return strategy that a professional can put into play. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, it's it's so simple, people will overlook the simplicity as if it must be more complicated. But it's really as simple as number one, start a list. Mm-hmm. Success leaves clues. Look in your rearview mirror and put together a list of uh, people who have already evidence of referring you, mm. whether it's six or nine or or three or fourteen, but just first start that list of proven referrers, and then round up. Now, in my book, I talk about twenty-five, but round up with another five or ten who could be referrers or who could be advocates if they were educated a little bit on what you were doing and who you were looking for. So are these people that are actually clients? These are people that have actually bought from you in the past. Is that right? Uh, Doesn't need to be. Mm -hmm. When I started out, I thought that obviously uh, that would be the best place to start. But as professionals, our circle or our network can be vast. Your list might contain some enthusiastic clients. Do not overlook. um, I have competitors who give me referrals. You know, they might not be quite in the same lane uh, as I am. Mm -hmm. And the more they know about me, I've got bankers and uh, accountants and financial advisors, attorneys who are maybe not in the small business or professional service space that I am. And the more they know about me, the more they have opened up their contacts and their network to me. Right. That's great. So we can kind of summarize these in the three action steps, right? That people can take to go forward? Yes. Okay. Number Number one, start the list. Yep. Number two, create a calendar of connections. And what I mean by that, just like a magazine or a newspaper might have an editorial calendar, you want to create a series of connections to remain top of mind with the people who believe in you and your work. And I think Um, you give examples of that in the book, right? I give a list of 12. I give Mm -hmm. a whole year's uh, listing of examples. And these, these monthly connections... Your investment will be zero to a hundred dollars a month and one to four hours a month for what could arguably be the most effective uh, strategy you could execute so let me let me kind of pause right here. That's a very efficient use of time. It's an area where a little bit of time can yield tremendous results. It's almost what I would say a leverageable asset is by reaching these people here. What do you think keeps people from really thinking that way in terms of taking the time to do this? I think carelessness, ego. I think people think, well, I don't need to do that. I just need to do my good work and everything 
uh, will take care of itself. Right. I think there's also this notion, I don't want to ask for referrals. If I ask for referrals, I might sound like a salesperson. I see. And the advocate strategy, the essence of the advocate strategy is neutrality. I never, and we know that never means about 99% of the time, I never ask for a referral. But if these are the people who believe in me and my work, it is my responsibility to maintain top of mind presence with these champions and cheerleaders. Hmm. And so, I mean, once in a blue moon, and we know that doesn't happen very often, I might do a gentle or soft ask, but it is incredibly rare. In fact, Scott, I know that I do not do that even once a year, but by maintaining top of mind presence, one month it's your newsletter, the next month it's a telephone call, the next month it's uh, an article you wrote and you put it in the hands of your advocates because that's really the third step. Number one, start a list. Number two, create a calendar of top of mind connections. And three, create tools or items that are easily passed on. If I put a white paper or an executive report or a strategic article in your hands, Scott, in email form, and you believe in me, are you or are you not more likely to hit forward and send that on to a few people that might benefit from that content? Absolutely. Do you ever ask people to do that, to say, share this with a friend or anything like that when you send it out to them? I'll use you as an example. If I sent you an article as part of my advocate strategy, the article might be for you first. My note with the article might sound like, hey, Scott, I hope you are doing well. I just released uh, this article and I thought that you uh, would appreciate the article and uh, benefit from one or more of the tips. I hope that you have a great day, Mark. P.S. If you know one or two people that you think would benefit from this article, feel free to forward this on. Mm. So there's your neutral call to action. Yeah. And of course, I'm going to have a byline in the article uh, that references me and how somebody could reach me. But if you hit forward and send that to to two, five, 10, 20 other professional services firms and say, hey, my friend Mark LeBlanc wrote an article on blank, on how to get referrals. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought you and your team might uh, appreciate this. Wow. And I like the fact that you lay this all out in a systematic process. And one thing I'll say for those listening, I get firsthand views at business plans of successful partners. Because when I move a partner from firm A to firm B, there has to be a portable book of business. And so I've gotten to know a lot of partners really well, even personally, even if they're not looking to move, they've shared with me ideas about building their book. It's never random chance. They just never automatically become a rainmaker. They've been very deliberate and intentional, and they've had a plan in place of doing these things that you're talking about, Mark. So I think I like the fact that in your book, what was it, page 68, I think, starts on 65, 68, you talk about the strategy. Uh, yes. So number one, to build a list of proven 
potential referrers. Is that right? About 25? Is that what you suggest? I would, I would say up to 25. Up to 25. Okay. And then create a calendar of connections. And when people do this, are you talking about with each one? Do you put it in an Excel spreadsheet with these are the items I'm going to do with each person each month? Or how, how have you built some systematic structure into that? I think the Excel spreadsheet is a, is a great example. And in most cases, Scott, my August connection or my September connection is going to be the same tool or message to the entire group. It would be to become too unwieldy to try to do a personal or personalized connection to each advocate every 30 days. Right. But once or twice a year, I might reach out to you or an advocate, have a virtual coffee, you know, that check-in conversation. Again, void of asking for referrals, but just letting you know what I'm excited about. That's and great. so once once a year, that conversation or once a year, that personalized gift to, you know, one of your interests or passions. And Scott, quite frankly, it's the ultimate relationship building strategy, nurturing strategy with the people who believe in you and your work. Right. And I like the fact that you said it's a neutral strategy so that if you're in the business, like a lot of lawyers listening to this, they don't want to put themselves at risk in having to ask from a client referral. That's not neutral, but they can put this information in their hands and that kind of stimulates those referrals coming in, which I think is a great strategy, Mark. For sure. And then action step number three is creating tools of items that are easily passed on. What, what do you think about links back to your site? Do you think a PDF of an article is better or a link back to your site? What do you think? I do think that the PDF is a better use of a tool. Again, I, uh, I might be showing my age here, but sometimes when somebody says, sends me a link to something, it's like, you know, hey, Mark, uh, you know, here's the link to my site. Go read all about me. Right. It, to me, it's a moment of irritation. There's a time and a place to make sure they know your website. I think it's the lazy professional's way out to just simply send a link. Right. I get that. So, Mark, you've given some great content here. Let me ask you, tell us about the offerings and services you have to those listening. If people, well, and, and then we can talk about some, some of the offerings uh, on the show notes that we can have as well. For sure. I would love to make available the electronic version, uh, the ebook version of my book, Growing Your Business, to any of your listeners who want to request it. And with the assurance that you will not go on our database, you will not become one of our peeps, our tribe, a member of our herd. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're not going to get an email every day for the next seven years. We will send you the uh, electronic version of growing your business simply for asking for it. That's great. We'll put the link on the show notes, but if people want to get that, what is that? It's growingyourbusiness.com. Is that right? Correct. My site is growingyourbusiness.com or markleblanc.com. That's great. And then Mark, so you speak at conferences, at conventions, and tell me about any other services that you have for those listening. Well, all of my work is under the umbrella of professional services. So whether it's speaking at a meeting or conference or event, I also stage a number of my own events for professionals, including our table of 12, a three-hour virtual business experience. I'm somewhat known 
some might even say renowned uh, for our Achiever Circle uh, business development retreat. Uh, this mm-hmm. fall, I will do number 152 of our weekend business retreats. And I've, I, I do those for individual professionals that I bring together from all over North America. But I've had a number of firms also do a private uh, Achiever Circle for their business development team. Well, that's fantastic. Well, Mark, it's been a pleasure having you on as a guest. I know I'm going to have you back on here in the future, and I look forward to staying connected with you. Thanks so much for being here today. Oh, you're very welcome, Scott. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.